Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. My name is Connor O'Brien. If you're new here, this is a show where we interview artists, producers, and industry experts, really anyone who we feel can help you grow as a producer. As always, this episode is brought to you by EDMProd.com, an online resource dedicated to teaching electronic producers the tools and tactics needed to make better music. If you want to level up your production skills, whether it's learning the basics, writing better music, improving your mixes, or developing a more creative mindset, we've got you covered. Now, in this episode, I have a chat with Justin Milo. Justin Milo is a Dutch DJ and producer known for his releases on Stamped Records, Spinner Records, and Revealed Recordings, and his collaborations with artists like Martin Garrix, Mesto, and Mike Williams. Now, in this episode, we start off with Justin Milo's background, discussing his first steps into DJing and production. He explains what it was like for his first release to be a collaboration with Martin Garrix and how he effectively dealt with the pressure to follow that release up. He also talks about switching up his style twice and why he thinks he'll never be comfortable with where he's at in his career. On the production side, Justin Milo explains what his process is for building up songs from scratch. He details his favorite post-processing plugins and techniques, how he approaches mixing both during and after the production, and what he's learned working in the studio with artists like Martin Garrix and Mike Williams. He also explains how he deals with the pressure of staying productive in the studio and how he balances between making music for his Justin Milo project and making music just for fun. Now, Justin Milo has a new single out on Stamped Records called Still Around featuring somebody. It's a really great track. I'll play you it as we slide into the interview so you can get a feel for his music and get excited for the episode. That's all for me. Let's wrap things up and get to the interview. Here's the EDM Podcast with Justin Milo. Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Justin Milo. Justin, how are you doing today? What's up? Doing great. Cool. So to get started, I want to learn a bit more about your background with music. So you can go back as far as you'd like, but I'd like to learn what got into music initially and later on music production. I mean, I really got into music by actually just starting to DJ. So I didn't, I didn't produce at the time. But I would just like um, buy all these mix CDs that were made by... Um, DJ Chucky and like Tiesto and like the old school guys. And um, then I really got into DJing. I got into like messing around with virtual DJ, which is like this super noob DJ thing. And um, yeah, that's that's just basically how things started for me. And it was just basically me and another friend just messing around and making mixes and doing like mixtapes and like that kind of stuff, which then kind of escalated into playing like school parties and like drive-in shows and like and like at one point like we were like 13 or 14 at that time i um uh, i met martin martin garrix um through this this social media website we have in holland which is called hives and i just he was like throwing a party for kids from 12 to 15 and I just reached out to him and I was like, yo, bro, can I maybe just come DJ at your event one day? And and he was like, yeah, sure. I mean, come over to my house and like come DJ here a little bit and like show me what you got. Ever since then, we we stayed friends actually. And he was called DJ Marty at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Martin Garrix came a little bit later. Yeah, since then, we've been friends and like messing around. And like he was like also the one that k- kind of like told me like, 
you know, if you're serious about this whole DJing thing, make sure you just try to get into music production. And that's that's when I first downloaded FL Studio, basically just started messing around on my bedroom. I mean, FL Studio is kind of like straightforward, but then I, I, like, I was a huge fan of like Hardwell at that time. And I just saw him using Logic. So for whatever reason, I just felt I had to be working in Logic <laughs> as well. Yeah. And basically that just evolved from like, you know, spending hours and hours and hours just practicing and browsing the internet, like looking for tutorials, YouTube videos, like what probably everyone does. And then I did like a couple bootlegs and stuff under a different name. I don't think you can find them online anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did this Rihanna bootleg and like this Timmy Trumpet bootleg and like a couple of bootlegs. Yeah, at some point I just came up with the whole the whole Justin Milo thing. Yeah, we had this song Bouncy Bob, which Martin really, really liked. So he jumped on that. And that's when things, yeah, really took off actually. Yeah. So kind of take me back to where you were when you had that first project. You said you were doing like the Rihanna bootlegs and whatnot. Were you thinking about music as a career at that point or was it just a hobby and you kind of had other aspirations on the side? I mean, not at all. I was I was still still in high school at the time. And um, I mean, we I, it was me and a friend, like we were like this DJ duo. And I mean, we did all these, these school parties around Holland and like this these kids parties for kids from 12 to 15 and like we did all that stuff but that was just like you know at that time like DJing and producing it it didn't feel as like as like one thing for me at that time so yeah the the whole producing thing was just like a, a hobby for me so you talked about kind of developing the Justin Milo project so it'd be interesting to hear kind of where that idea came from in terms of you know rebranding, starting something new, and kind of figuring out where you might go with it. Well, yeah, at that time I was I was a DJ duo with another friend of mine, and um, yeah, he kind of wanted to like pursue more of like the urban hip hop kind of stuff, and I was still very much into house music, into dance music. So that's that's when I figured out like maybe I should starting I should start to do like my my own project. Well, the first thing was like to come up with a name and um, yeah, Justin is my middle name and then Milo kind of comes from Emilio. So, I mean, that was the first pretty easy step. I was really still into into big room at the time and I actually had like this this couple of big room kind-ish songs, which I was, I was at that time like Martin kind of like hooked me up with the spinning team. And we were kind of like going back and forth with a couple of songs, but kind of right at that time, the whole big room movement started to get like a little bit less interesting. I think this is around the time that like Oliver Heldens had like his first big hit with, I think, Gecko at the time, like that, that period. So the whole big room thing was kind of like, you know, not, not that interesting anymore. Mm -hmm. So, I kind of got the advice from the whole spinning team, like, you know, maybe it's it's time to like work on something a bit more refreshing than than jumping on the whole big room wagon. And that's that's when I kind of decided like, you know, I really love big room, but I also really love the whole 
thing that was going on with with Oliver Heldens at the time, and like why not infuse those two sounds? And and that's how kind of like the whole bouncy bob idea came together. So that was your first release under this project, and it was a collab with Martin Garrix and Mesto. So that yeah. was about like two years or so after Animals, which you know, was kind of part of this big room boom with dance music. So kind of where were you at when you had that single released initially as a free download? But I think for a lot of people to come out with that being, you know, their first single is really big. So what was it like for you immediately after to, you know, try to follow that up and start growing and building the Justin Milo brand? Obviously, like it it all happened pretty quick. So at that time, I didn't really have like a proper plan yet or like, there wasn't like this big master plan that we were going to roll out. So yeah, it was so crazy to like see him, like, you know, I've, I've seen the whole thing happen, like how he blew up. So I, I, I mean, I knew like how it all was and what happened, but then it was so crazy for me to see him play my song on ultra on the live stream. And uh, yeah, things really, like at first it was like who who are these guys like obviously like for the whole industry it was like so so weird these two young producers their first song is a, is a call up with Martin Garrix like who, who the hell are these guys <laughs> yeah so that was kind of weird for me and um i really really felt pretty pressured at the time to then come up with the next thing mm-hmm. and um I mean, luckily, I think I did an okay job at like sticking with that style and kind of like progressing with that style we had at the time, but it was challenging, challenging times. Yeah. Kind of talk more about that. I think every few years is a new style that kind of comes in that pushes out another one. And I think I see a lot of producers that really try to hold on to what came before them because that's what got them into music. But it seems like in your case, you made a conscious decision like, hey, if I want to get on these labels and I want to remain relevant, I need to step away from the big room sound a bit and go to this more bouncier sound that's coming in. So kind of what was that process like for you internally to kind of make that switch? Nowadays, I've really, I've really like gotten into music production and I really love making music and it's really become part of me. But at that time, my main motivation to make music was to get out there and be able to DJ because that was like my main thing at that time. So yeah, that was, you know, it's sometimes it's, it's also very refreshing to, to not be too heavy about things. You know, I just simply felt like, I mean, I want to DJ. So what is it going to take to, you know, make that happen? So you kind of had that bouncier sound as what I really associated with your music for the first few years. And then right around 2017, 2018, you made a shift to um, what I would consider more of a progressive sound. I might get yelled at for saying that, but um, people that are fans of you know what I'm talking about. So kind of walk me through what was going on for you to kind of shift the sound that you were known for at the beginning to something altogether new. Yeah, I mean, when that whole kind of sound that I think people at the time were calling future bounce. I'm, I'm still not sure what that means, honestly, but a lot of people, you know, try to jump on that whole, yeah, that whole movement that was happening at the time. Yeah. And 
I don't know. At that point, it kind of felt to me like I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. I felt to me that I was like over 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 this whole sound. I felt like yeah. Mm, okay, everyone is starting to do this now. Okay, it's probably time for me to move on. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not musically schooled or anything, but I I used to play the guitar, so I kind of like fell in love with just making nice melodies and amazing chords and like making cool chord progressions and everything. So that's when I felt like, hmm, okay, maybe I can still keep kind of like the whole bouncy thing, but then make it melodic. And and that's that's how that evolved into kind of what I think I'm still doing today. Do you feel like you're happier with what you're making now? Yeah, I think so. But then I'm also like, you know, me wanting to make prettier and more serious kind of sounding songs. It also it also makes it the whole process maybe a little bit less playful. Like mm-hmm. the whole bouncy thing was like you were just basically messing around the whole time and then in the end a song came out of it. And now it's more like really songwriting, which is also super, super fun, but it is a, a, a whole different process and like a little bit more yeah, kind of serious than than the whole thing I used to do. So kind of on that, nowadays, when you're walking in the studio, are you 10 out of 10 times sitting down to write a Justin Milo track? Are you, you know, doing that most of the time, then other times just kind of playing around doing other styles? Kind of walk me through what your general approach is when you step in the studio. Yeah, I think for me, I do kind of, I mean, still at this moment, I do kind of walk into the studio just to do Justin Milo songs, basically. I, I think when you're like a little bit, yeah, like a veteran, then then you probably feel more freedom to do whatever. But now I still do kind of feel like, you know, I really want to ha- make the whole Justin Milo thing happen. So I'm just focused on that every day, basically. Yeah, I think that's interesting to point out because... I feel like a lot of people listening that are fans of you might see you as being very successful and kind of settled in their career, but explicitly doesn't really seem like you're at a comfortable level yet with it. I'm not sure if I ever will be, but I I guess like for me, like seeing Martin, for instance, he's in like a way more comfortable position, obviously, to be, you know, to just do more freely whatever he wants. And for me, it still kind of feels like I'm not there yet. Cool. So I think that kind of covers most of what I want to get into for your story. So at this point, let's jump into more of the production side of things. Um, I think a good place to start would be, you've got a couple um, educational resources out on YouTube. You did a masterclass previously, I believe last year. And then um, a couple months ago, you did a breakdown of one of your singles on Stamped Records called Forever. So talk about if you kind of picked up anything or learned anything from talking about your process um, in front of the camera or in front of some people, because I know you can really learn a lot about what's actually going into your production workflow from trying to explain it to other people. So it'd be cool to hear kind of a bit about that. I mean, for me, honestly, it was so also a little bit hard to like, you know, explain how I did a song, because like whenever you're making a song, Obviously, there are some things that you're like really consciously thinking about, but yeah. a lot of the process just kind of flows. So like sometimes I get questions like, how do you do a melody? That would be almost impossible for me to explain <laughs> because it's almost yeah. like 
this thing that just pops pops up in your head basically but yeah my my, my whole workflow it, it 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 definitely it always starts out with melodies and um i mean sometimes um whenever i'm like not inspired i just like mess around and and look all around like splice or like sample packs or whatever and sometimes just like this tiny little loop like maybe a little vocal chop or like can like really inspire you to you know start creating around that and maybe around that little sample then i start to make i start to build chords and that then at some point i start to make like this lead melody and um yeah basically then at some point my songs are always like this basic simple piano that's kind of like playing all the melodies and then i kind of like lay out the whole arrangement like where i want certain parts of the song to be and then i really start to like move into like how do i want it how do i want this to sound and then i move into like kind of like the sound design phase in like i must say i'm not the most talented sound designer i just i just want to be kind of like easy quick and effective so i use tons of like sample banks which then you can obviously always tweak to get most of my sounds in and then sometimes i also just get a top line from someone which i will start to work around or even sometimes it's just me and a bunch of songwriters in the studio and we're just all basically just jamming with guitars and like kind of like humming melodies and then the, the whole thing comes together that way. So yeah, it's it's fun, like how in how many ways a song can really really come together. When at some point it, it it doesn't happen and you're just stuck, you know, you always have to remember. Like, I mean, I can try it a different way, and maybe then I can come up with something cool. So kind of with that, do you feel like there's anything else that is that helps you when you're dealing with blocks when it comes to writing? Like you mentioned earlier, if you really can't get a melody or chord progression down, you kind of jump on splice, see what's going on. Anything else that helps you when you're just running into a wall with where to take an idea? I mean, a lot of times I, I have like this group of friends, which are all kind of like into music production or into the industry. I think it's super helpful to as like a producer to have like this people on which which are kind of like your mood board like some you just have to like play out stuff that you did already get in to them and maybe some of them will like oh maybe you can do this or this or like kind of you know just kind of like give little tips here and there and just not to be afraid to to like get those people involved so kind of jumping back to that masterclass of yours I was uh, talking about earlier, it seems like you use a lot of post-processing in pretty much all of the different channels and elements within a mix. So I'd be curious to hear if you have any personal favorite um, post-processing plugins, whether it's saturation, EQ, distortion, anything that you feel like is really important to your mixing workflow that you're kind of using across different projects. I mean, yeah, saturation is, is actually a really big thing for me. I have... Um, the Fab Filter Saturn is is amazing to like. For instance, all my leads, I all I always, I mean not always, but I started doing that a little bit more recently, um, by just grouping together all the leads and all the chords and like that separately, and then 
grouping them together and pulling them through a saturator, you know, just just to make things sparkle a little bit more. And yeah, for bass lines, I have I have a couple of bass lines which are just like super simple, like sine waves, which I then throw through isotope trash, which is this crazy, crazy yeah. distortion plugin. Yeah, that's that's really fun fun to mess around with. Like some sounds you just can't create any other way, and um, that will always like really make your sounds stand out. Yeah, I think that's a piece of advice that I give people whenever they, you know, hear their favorite artists and their sounds don't sound like presets. And that doesn't mean they didn't start with presets, but a lot of times that means they did a lot in terms of post-processing or resampling just to give it some tones that you can't get strictly in Serum or Silent or Massive or whatever you're using. So I think that's a great way to approach things. And then for me also, what I do a lot, in which you can also hear in like previous songs of mine, for instance, Burnout together with Martin Garrix as well, that whole lead is is just... Um, a vocal chop, which is which I then pitched to play the melody that we already had, which is then like processed and compressed crazy hard, which then makes that like interesting sounding lead. Like you can't get some of those sounds just by using synthesizers. So another thing that I noticed from that masterclass is it seems like you've got a decent amount of Waves plugins that you like to use with mixing. So any Waves plugins that kind of come to the top of mind that are pretty important to your mixing style? Um, well, for vocals, I always use the CLA plugins. So yeah. I kind of like try to avoid the CLA, just the, the basic CLA vocals, because like I have the feeling in, in that plugin, I mean, you can get great results, but um, I do have the feeling like you, you don't really see what you're doing. So sometimes I just use like maybe a little bit of the reverb or a little bit of the compressor, but I mostly use like the CLA 2A compressor to compress my vocals, which like just works amazing. Yeah, I use the Wave Tuner to like auto-tune stuff. Yeah, there's like this couple guitar kind guitar amp things in the whole Waves bundle. What's this one called? It's the Manny Manny American or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are great to like um you have like these couple electric guitar ones and stuff, which are great to use for leads to make your leads pop a little bit more. So yeah, that's that's I think that those are the main main things I use in like the Waves bundle. So one thing I want to talk about is, you know, you kind of talked about the importance of collaboration and throughout your career, you've had a lot of really cool collaborators. Obviously you've had a few with Martin, Mesto, Mike Williams, and a few others. So it'd be cool to hear if there's anything that you've picked up working in the studio with them. Um, I'm sure people listening would obviously like to hear about Martin, but anything that you can remember in general that you've picked up from a lot of the artists that you've been working with. I mean, it's it's really interesting to just see like the whole work for workflow of another artist, like yeah. everyone comes up with stuff in different ways. And especially like me and Mike, we're both working in logic studio. So yeah, especially working with him also super interesting for me, like to see 
how he does certain things inside logic. And uh, I mean, I, I can't name specific things right now, but I'm 100% sure I learned things from him and he might have picked up some from me. Also working with Swack, he also works in logic and like he also gave me a couple of tips that are like I never knew about. So it's like everyone has his own little piece of knowledge, which you then just kind of pick up. So another thing that I want to ask you on the production side is about your mixing and mastering. You know, everyone's got their own approach to it. Most people kind of mix on the go and then do a final mix down at the end. So I'd be curious to hear uh, what your general process is for, you know, kind of finalizing the mix and masters for your tracks. So for the whole mix, it's, it's, yeah, I kind of like mix as I go. And then obviously, you know, just whenever I add like a sound or, you know, add something new to the song, I always just start EQing right away, like removing frequencies that are, that are like annoying or like disturbing with other frequencies. Yeah. Which I think works the best so that like, if you don't, if you just throw everything in at some point, you just, you just don't know where to look anymore to fix things. So then it just becomes one big mess and it's hard to, to fix from that point. Yeah, I feel like it's sometimes tough because you want to get down ideas as quickly as possible, but it's important to put those sounds in context where a sound might work if you just give it three minutes to EQ it. So I think it's good to kind of find what that balance is for your workflow. Yeah, exactly. My, I mean, it doesn't mean you have to mix everything precisely and spend an hour on like mixing one sound, but just to kind of like get it all a little bit into con- into context. Yeah. Cool. So a couple more production questions and then we'll kind of slide away. Um, one thing that I want to ask you is if looking back, were there any techniques or concepts that just really helped you level up your production? You know, you've talked about a few of them so far, but I'm curious if there's anything else, whether it was, you know, kind of before you started this project or during the project that was really helpful to get your production quality to the level it's at now. Like I, I felt like the, especially like the whole low end of like songs that I was such a big fan of at the time was always like like it was always hard for me to make my so- my songs sound as fat as those songs did yeah what what really helped me is like i always always used to have like this one or two sounds that made up the whole low end um and i kind of like developed myself into like you know the sub the whole low end is like also consisting out of like multiple layers so i what i do now is that i mostly in every song i only have like um a simple sign which is just playing the sub so you always have your sub like you know with proper room and there's no nothing on top of that sub already in the synthesizer that's you know just messing with your low end Uh, and then you can also like properly compress it like apart from all the other layers and then on top of that sine wave which is just giving you the sub the really really low sub bass you start adding all the layers like maybe in some songs like these weird distorted super gritty layers which you then can also like you know remove all the low end 
and to you know properly position all those elements in your song yeah i love that approach when it comes to sub basses because it's tough if you have like two or three elements below 100 hertz and you're sitting here on like two-year-old ATH M50s trying to EQ them so that they're perfectly in their own space when it's a lot easier just to get one element and try to make that sound as great as you can. You know, it's easier said than done, but I think you're making things hard on yourself by overcomplicating it and then having to spend hours just making these deep cuts with EQs and just kind of ruining the sounds that you spent that time on in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Then always your low end will always stay there and will always shine no matter what you do to the other layers. So kind of before we wrap things up on the production side, I want to ask you about your latest single track called Still Around that you dropped two or three weeks ago on Stamped Records. So, So it'd be cool to hear kind of how that track came about and any insights into what the production for that was. So yeah, basically Still Around started off as a remix, actually. Um... I'm not going to disclose which song, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just got these parts for a remix and it was already like during the whole Corona time then. And um, yeah, I basically just started messing out, messing around with like the, the vocal of that song. And whenever I do a remix, I really love to like just keep the vocals and some small elements and then really build my own thing around that instead of like taking a lot from the original song. Um, Yeah, so then I actually built like the whole chord progression and the whole melody and kind of like basically the whole song around, around that vocal. And then at some point I had like everything, the whole breakdown, uh, all the melodies, everything. And then I felt like, hmm, I don't know. I think, I think this is, it felt too good for me to just be a remix, kind of. Yeah, that's when I kind of like just deleted everything from that original song and just kept everything that I did myself. And um, I just called up two friends of mine which are the guys from Somebody, which Mm. is like this songwriting duo and one of the guys is singing. I just just called them and I was like, you know, I have this song laying around. Maybe you guys can try to, you know, write something on this. And it was literally like two days later and they came up with this whole top line. And uh, yeah, the thing just came together super quickly. You mentioned that that track was too good to be a remix. So I feel like some people listening might not understand why that would make sense, but talk about why, because the track was so good, you wanted to turn it into original. I mean, for me, like, I don't know. I mean, a remix can also do great things for your career, obviously. But for me personally, I just feel like I just really want to be focus on my own songs instead of remixing other guys. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be that it's it's too good for a remix, but just for me personally, it, it kind of felt like the whole song had more potential. And I love how it turned out with the whole vocal that the guys wrote on it. So, so much better than what the remix was. Cool, so kind of sliding things over away from production, I'd be curious to hear what your current situation is like with regards to, you know, working on music full time. Obviously, things are a bit different with the lack of shows because we're still 
um, in the you know, COVID-19 situation. So kind of walk me through what your general situation is like right now. So yeah, basically right now, yeah, I'm, I'm basically just working on music every day. And I mean, it doesn't, it's not like I'm really going to sit down in the studio every day and really like, sometimes it's also just me at my dinner table with my laptop, just, you know, getting some melodies in, just messing around a little bit and then just go hang out with friends and then maybe come back a couple hours later and mess around a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, that's, that's the perfect way to do it because like, if you really try to force things, it, it like sometimes it does work. But for me, I I've noticed that a lot of times when I really try to force it and I'm like, okay, I really have to do this special song. I have to make that right now. It just, it just doesn't work. Luckily I, I have luxury position to be able yeah. to just mess around some days. How do you feel like you manage that dichotomy where you need to keep making music so that you can more or less continue with the Justin Milo project, but there's just days where you're really not feeling it. I think some producers that are you know struggling to get to where they want to be with production feel bad or guilty that they're not putting in the amount of hours necessary because you do need to put in a lot of hours. So how do you kind of deal with the split between those two ideas? It's like you obviously have to put in hours. Sometimes you you put in a lot of hours and maybe for like it feels like nothing is kind of coming out of all those hours you know the whole the whole process of failing sometimes you're still making progression it's still so valuable because you're you're learning how to do things but you're also like learning how to handle those moments because those moments are always going to keep happening like even if you're at my level, for instance, it's still going to happen. And then you, you'll have to also like mentally know how to handle those moments. So it's, mm-hmm. it's still progress, whatever, even if you have the feeling like I'm not really putting in all the hours, I'm not yeah. 24-7 in the studio. Like those moments when you do walk away, sometimes you're still making progress because you're still learning and still developing and still finding out new things. Mm -hmm. Cool. So a couple more questions and then we'll wrap things up. First off, we've got a lot of newer producers listening to this show. What advice would you give to somebody that is just starting out producing to give them the best chance of success moving forward with music? At first, to not put too much pressure on yourself. Like I know, I know it's so hard to be looking up to all the big DJs and you know, to have the feeling you want to be up there so bad. And yeah. I mean, better tomorrow than the day after. But, you know, it's it. you just have to stay open-minded to find out, like, what you're about making music. Like, what, what is the, what is, what, what do you enjoy the most making? And you really have to give yourself time to find out what your sound is what you enjoy making, but then also not to go too crazy with that because also you have to be a little bit realistic and also think about like what opportunities are there in the, in the market of dance music or whatever music you're making. 
and you know kind of like try to find your spot in between all the things that are already out there so i mean i think you kind of really there you really have to find your balance between you know dreaming big but then also being a little bit realistic mm -hmm. awesome so still around latest single you dropped about three weeks ago everybody should go check that out but outside of that what's going to be coming up for you in the next few months um, I actually have like my whole release schedule done for almost the rest of the year, which feels very, very freeing. <laughs> I have a song coming out with Mike Williams again, which is exciting. Like yeah. the last song we did was, I think, maybe four years ago. So it's it's fun to, you know, get back in the studio with an old friend again, mm. uh, which is dropping, I think in october and then after that one we're probably releasing the collab with mesto which i think martin already played out on the whole tomorrowland live stream which you know a lot of fans been asking about for so long <laughs> even <laughs> like when we just dropped still around a couple people were like okay cool song but when are you going to be dropping the <laughs> other one that martin played that's harsh <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's always fun um so yeah that's still coming out this year sweet well with that we'll wrap things up for this episode you can find justin milo's music in the description of this podcast so go give that a listen as this episode is just about over justin it's been great chatting with you appreciate you being on the show thank you for having me it's fun thanks